In this podcast, you're going to learn how to raise down payment money when buying commercial property. Many of you have run into this problem. You found a great 36-unit apartment building that cash flows $5,000 per month, but you need $200,000 to close the deal, but you don't have it. My goal in this podcast is to solve that problem for you. Hello, everyone out there. I'm Peter Harris with Commercial Property Advisors. I'm author of the book, Commercial Real Estate Investing for Dummies. I'm also author of my new best-selling book, Commercial Real Estate for Beginners. I'm also a coach and mentor to many commercial real estate investors all across America. In just these next few minutes, you're going to learn six ways to raise capital for your commercial deal. Uh, I'm going to show you how to raise capital from private investors using creative investing, self-directed IRAs, crowdfunding, uh, something new called peer-to-peer lending, and also commercial wholesaling. And lastly, I'm going to share with you my very first deal that I raised capital for. All right, so let's get started. Let's start off with raising capital from private investors. Now, this is a much-needed skill for all of you. There are two reasons why you need to learn how to raise capital. One, you're eventually going to run out of your own money, right? That's what happened to me. That's what happened to a lot of my co-workers and and co-investors. And two, it's the best way to leverage your limited resources to do larger and larger deals. So the next time you're driving down the street and you see a brand new commercial building going up, it's most likely not one rich individual writing the check to finance the property, but it's most likely a group of people pooling their money together to do the larger project. So what you want to do is be the leader of that pool, right? You want to be the person that knows how to raise money. I guarantee you that the leader of that pool is a person who understands these things I'm going to share with you today. So when thinking about raising money for private investors, two questions come to mind. Number one is, how do you structure a deal with private investors? And number two, how do I know if my deal is good enough to attract investors? So we're going to talk about those things. First, turn our attention to how do you structure a deal with private investors? Well, if you have one or two investors whom you know very well, and they put in all the money and they have an active role in the investment, it can be as simple as using an LLC. Your attorney can establish the LLC, write up the operating agreement, spell out what your role is, what their role is, and then off you go. You will be the managing member of the LOC, and they will just be members with the title. That's as simple as it gets. And it's probably the most common structure uh, out there when dealing with investors. The most common. All right. Secondly, if you have two or more investors and they are passive, meaning they're not active, they're just passive, then things change quite a bit. This is called real estate syndication and a whole lot more paperwork and disclosures are involved. You actually will need an attorney with SEC experience to help you. SEC stands for the Security Exchange Commission. That's an arm of the government that monitors fraud and scams uh, when dealing with raising capital and, and financial sorts of things. In fact, my next video will cover syndication in detail. It's called the, the Basics of Real Estate Syndication. It will be next, so be on the lookout for that one. Okay, you know, we just answered how do you structure a deal. The second question is, how do I know if a deal is good enough to attract investors? Well, 
Good deals attract money. Good deals create interest. And this is exactly what we teach our students, how to structure good deals that attract money and create interest, right? So I'm going to share with you right now what I believe are five good elements of a good deal that you must have in order to attract investors. Number one is your deal must be priced under market so that you're getting a good deal. Everyone likes good deals, right? You don't want to bring to the table to your investors a deal where you're overpaying, right? So number one is uh, have make sure your deal is priced under market. Number two, you want your deal to have income upside. In other words, you want the rental income uh, to over time to be able to go up, right? Instead of down, right? Up. Because I want you to, uh, well, you, I'm sure you, you recall that as the net operating income of a commercial property goes up, so does the value. So you want to bring that to the table to your investor to show them that, hey, I have a plan and this property is fully capable of increasing the income. Thereby, we have a increase in property value of X dollars. That will attract them. Right? Number three, your deal that you bring to investors in order to be attractive must have excellent cash and cash return. Let me ask you this. What's your 401k, your IRA getting these days? Two to three to four percent, right? That's not very good. In fact, if I can stretch it a bit, let's say you're getting, you know, four and a half to five percent return on investment on your IRA. That means that it's going to take 16 years for your investment to double for that money in account to double. That's a long time. You could be way past retirement by then. You're going to have to do something else, such as commercial real estate, right? Where you can double your profits, potentially. All right, so number four, the market must be a good one, capable of sustaining your investment for years to come. You must know the market demographics, the economic trends, the vacancy trends, population, uh, migration, all the important demographics, You know when and where other companies are moving in or closing down, all those things you must know. So the market must be a good one, all right? And lastly, number five, exit strategy. You must have a razor-sharp exit strategy that's realistic and conservative, all right? Your exit strategy, what I mean by that is, is design that you have in place to return investors' money plus more, all right? So that plan must be realistic and conservative. So again, that's enough for private investors. I want to leave the rest to my next podcast called The Basics of Real Estate Syndication. It will also be on YouTube. All right, so let's move on to the second way of raising down payment money for your commercial real estate. It is creative financing. Now, we're going to use four different methods for that. The master lease agreement, the seller carry first mortgage and seller carry second mortgage, and then finally the use of hard money a hard money loan. I have uh, podcasts and videos on those topics, okay? I have a video on the master lease agreement specifically, and there's a video and podcast called Buying Commercial Real Estate Without Banks. That's where you will find the concept of the seller carry first mortgage and seller carry second mortgage. And thirdly, I have a commercial hard money loan video and podcast, so make sure you watch them or, or listen to them. Let me give you an example of how we use creative financing to help you raise capital or at least um, structure a deal where the capital requirement is very small. So this example, I'm going to combine a seller carry second mortgage with a commercial hard money loan. Now, this is an actual real deal from one of our students. It's a three-story office building, but it's 40% vacant. 
right? That means it's only 60% occupied. A typical bank will not lend on such a property, right? Because it's a high risk because there's not enough money coming in to pay for the loan. It has vacancy, which is too high. Now, even though a typical bank wouldn't do this, a hard money lender would do this loan. This is what they do. They lend on such properties. Now, the seller is willing to sell for $1 million, but we know that if the property was, if it can go from 60% occupied to 90% occupied, it'd be worth $1.6 million. Okay. So there's a $650,000 upside if we can buy this property, get it fixed up and get it leased up to 90% occupied. We have a $650,000 upside. So that's worth uh, working hard on this deal. Don't you agree? So a typical hard money lender will lend about 70% of that million dollars on the deal. So in other words, they'll, they'll give us a loan or they gave us a loan for $700,000. So the down payment would be $300,000, right? Because if the purchase price is a million, the hard money lenders are going to give you $700,000. The down payment is $300,000. All right. Got it so far. But here's the problem. You don't have the $300,000. So what do you do? Well, in this video, I'm going to say that's okay. You want to know why? It's because the seller, we negotiate the seller for the seller to carry a second mortgage in the amount of $250,000, right? So your down payment is $300,000, but the seller is going to carry back a second mortgage in the amount of $250,000. So your down payment would only be $50,000. Now, some of you are wondering, why would the seller be in second position for so much money? Why would he allow that? It's because his property is distressed. And if he would just put it on the market and sell it as is, he'll most likely get half of the million dollars that he wants. So we're going to give him a million dollars, but he has to hold a second mortgage for us to get the deal done. Understand? All right. So your requirements come up with the $50,000 down payment. Now you need to know how to do that. And for a deal like this, you need to be able to raise the $50,000. Find it somehow, some way. Well, later on, I'm going to share with you what we call peer-to-peer -peer lending, where you can easily go out and find this $50,000, okay? Um, now, back on this deal. So, um, you got it financed. Now, and the deal's closed. We're going to fast forward one year later, right? Because the hard money is only good for one year. One year later, the property is now 90% occupied. Now, at this point, you can go to a local lender and put a long-term loan on the property and pay off their hard money loan and just let it cash flow for, you know, however long you want to do it. Okay, so that's the extra strategy is to get out of the hard money loan by putting uh, long-term permanent financing on the property and cash flowing from there on out. So that's using creative financing to create a win-win-win situation for all. Win for you, a win for the seller because he gets a million dollars, and a win for the lender who gets their equity requirements uh, taken care of. So let's move on to number three, which is using self-directed IRAs. In this case, you can use your own self-directed IRA or someone else's to fund your down payment. You can partner someone that has a self-directed IRA and they can help you fund the deal. Now, let me give you a stat. Did you know that there's close to $8 trillion, that's trillion with a T, sitting in IRA accounts today? Let me ask you this. What did you earn last year in your IRA, in your 401k? 3 or 4 or 5%? Well, that's not going to get you anywhere close to retiring at all. And you're going to learn when we syndicate deals. Let me just say this. I know syndicators that I know personally and that I coach personally. And their goal 
is to double their investor money in five years. That means a, a good 20% return over the next five consecutive years. It's doable and it's being done. All right, now let me share a couple of things about self-directed IRAs. Let me share with you the common ways to invest in real estate you know, through a self-directed IRA. So they include a direct purchase where the IRA buys the entire property outright using funds in the accounts. That's one way. A second way could be through partnerships. That's right. You can use partnerships and combine IRA funds with other people's IRA funds in conjunction with your funds, even non-IRA funds to do deal like this. With the right company and the right structure, you can fund all of your deals using self-directed IRAs. Okay, There's companies that do that will set that up for you. You just have to Google self-directed IRA real estate and a few will pop up. A third way of investing in real estate through your self-directed IRA fund is through a mortgage-backed purchase. And that way it can lower the amount of IRA funds needed to buy the property. So basically you would use the IRA as only a down payment against the mortgage to buy the property. You can do that as well. And the fourth way of investing in real estate is through an LLC, a limited liability corporation, where the interest, through the LLC interest, where the property title is held in the name of the LLC, right? So in this case, the IRA holds an interest in, it, in the LLC rather than title to the investment. Okay, got it. So there's many ways in which your IRA can invest in real estate. Now, along with that, there is really some really important things to note when using self-directed IRAs. They are as follows. Number one, the property's buyer is the IRA, not you. Okay, get that clear. Secondly, all of the expenses and income must go through the IRA. Expenses must be paid directly by the IRA and any income must remain in the IRA. Got it? Okay. Thirdly, you cannot use the property for personal reasons. The property must be treated as an investment, not for your immediate benefit or your family's benefit. Okay? It's for the IRA's benefit only. And fourthly, this one um, people always mess up on. Let me share this with you. All of your maintenance repairs on the property must be done by a third party. If the IRA owner, if that's you or someone else, if they provide any sweat equity like changing a light bulb in the property, there could be significant penalties for doing that. Okay, so that's some things about using an IRA to help raise down payment money for your commercial deals. Let's get into another topic, a hot word out there. It's called crowdfunding. Now, crowdfunding is a method of raising capital through the collective efforts of friends, family, and individual investors. This approach, what it does, it taps into a larger pool of people, like an online platform called a crowdfunding platform, and it leverages their networks for greater outreach and exposure. Let me put it in layman's terms for you. You have an internet company that goes out and it recruits rich people to put money into their company. And then the company goes out and recruits you, the person needing the down payment, to input your deals into the system to see if it'll be approved to use those investors' monies. It's done 100% online, okay? All the signature of papers, vetting the deal, communication, is all done online. It's a beautiful thing. Here are two companies that you can check out. I don't endorse these companies at all, but they seem to be very popular these days. 
but there are a ton out there. Um, the first one is realtymogul.com, and the second one is called realtyshare.com. So check it out. All right, so now let me share with you the six steps to getting your crowdfunding deal approved. So you need a down payment, right? So what you're going to do is you're going to go to a crowdfunding platform like Realty Mogul or Realty Share, and you're going to submit an application, right? So you can put in your deal information and put in everything you need. And then once the deal is approved, and then they go into an approval process where they're going to need additional information about your background, credit check, you know, things like that. If that's approved, um, they're going to send your deal out to their platform's investors to gain attention and to get money to be used for the project. And then once the money comes in, once the capital goal is, is reached, it can take 24 hours to a month to get the whole thing funded, right? But most times it's, it's weeks or months to get approved. Now, once you're approved, the money is dispersed right away. The drawback to this is you can spend a month trying to get your deal funded through crowdfunding, but if you only reach 90% of your goal, you get none of it after it expires. So that's the uh, that's the downside to it. So probably the, the most important thing I don't want to leave out about getting approved for a crowdfunding down payment is you have to be experienced, you have to have a track record, and you have to bring some money to the table. So if you're brand new, if you're a beginner, crowdfunding is not for you. That was number four. Number five is peer-to-peer -peer lending. Peer-to-peer -peer lending is peer-to-peer. -peer. The first peer is internet portal that rich investors put their money into for return on investment, and then it goes out the portal to you, right? So it's the first peer in peer-to-peer -peer is investor, and the second peer in peer-to-peer -peer is you. So peer-to-peer -peer lending. And in between that is an online platform that makes sure the investor's needs are met along with qualifying you as a borrower. So have you heard of companies like uh, Lending Club or SoFi or Prosper? Those are peer-to-peer -peer lenders. So it's an online platform that gathers people to invest in each other. So we only use this for small deals requiring between $25,000 and 100000 Now, we had a student that needed about $60,000 to close his deal. It was a small deal uh, over on the East Coast, small property, small commercial property. And he didn't have it, but he had a good job. He had good um, credit, uh, decent income. And he was able to borrow the entire down payment at 7% for, I think, five years or something like that to get his deal funded. And it worked out. So the thing you have to realize with peer-to-peer -peer lending is that better your, your income and credit is, the lower the interest rate is. So the last thing I'm going to share in peer-to-peer -peer lending is since it is another loan, you're going to have to calculate, you're going to have to factor in that loan into your overall returns. Here's what I mean by that. If you look at a simple analysis of commercial property, we have income minus expenses, minus the mortgage equals cash flow, right? If you use peer-to-peer -peer lending, you have your income minus expenses, minus your mortgage, minus your peer-to-peer -peer loan equals your cash flow. In other words, make sure your peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, whatever you borrow using peer-to-peer -peer lending, that your deal can afford it. All right, the last number six is wholesaling. So a lot of our students don't have a whole lot of money to invest in commercial real estate, just a great desire, and that's okay. So what we instruct them to do, and we have a whole program for this, is to show them how to wholesale their deal to buyers to create capital for themselves, 
And if they do this multiple times, they can stack up and raise their capital so they have enough money to do their own deals. So basically what they do is find a deal, get the deal under contract, and then flip it to, the, to a buyer for a fee. You can do this several times, and the goal there is to build up your own down payment. So it's very doable. So if you don't have a whole lot of money, you can wholesale your deal to raise your, your down payment. Got it? Okay, so that was the, the six methods. I want to share with you now my very first syndicated deal where I was just a youngster in the business. So here's what happened to me. I, I had run out of money, and I was in kind of a mastermind buddy group, and nearly all of us had exhausted, had exhausted our personal money. So we were forced to go out and raise the money. So I found an investor. It was a co-worker of mine. You just need one investor. Here's how I structured the, structured the deal. I found a deal. And it was a small deal. And actually, I recommend if you are raising money for the first time, make it a small deal. Number one, uh, small deal equals small mistakes. And small deal equals small amount of money to raise, which this was the case. So it was an 11-unit apartment a rehab project. It was very light rehab. Uh, I'm talking just paint and get rid of a few bad tenants. Nothing big. And as your first deal, you do not want to do extensive rehab or do a whole bunch of evictions, okay? You just want to keep it nice and simple. I also negotiated and got the property under contract. As for the due diligence, we flew down to the property, did it together, so that he can be convinced, and I can be convinced, that this deal is very doable to make it more comfortable as well. Now, my investor put up the entire $66,000 down payment, so you can see it wasn't a whole lot of money. Another thing that we did, we both applied for the loan, so we were both on the loan so that both of us could have skin in the game, right? I wanted him to think that he's putting money into the deal, but I'm committed too because my credit and my other properties are at risk if this loan fails. We were personally guaranteeing this loan. So my, my attorney drafted up the LOC and we closed on a project. I did all of the asset management. For example, I oversaw the manager. I uh, made sure the bills are paid. I took care of the taxes at the end of the year any small accounting. I did all that. But guess what? I also collected an asset management fee for overseeing all that every month. All right. So after about 18 months, we sold the property and we split the profits 75-25. 75 to him, 25% to me. And you're probably wondering, why did I give him so much? Well, here's two reasons. Number one, I wanted to get a track record and experience of raising capital. Right, I need I needed that so that I can continue to do more. I can go out there after this deal and show people, hey, I already raised money and the project was successful. Now please invest with me, right? And number two, I wanted my investor to reinvest with me. So that was my goal of why giving away seventy five twenty five. You will find out that in this industry, that's more of a norm than not a seventy five twenty five split. So as you get into syndication and learn more about it, you'll see that that split is quite normal. Okay, all right, so I hope you enjoyed this podcast here. If you want to get access to even more great resources and training, podcasts and videos, go visit our website at commercialpropertyadvisors.com or you can just subscribe to this podcast and just continue to listen. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening to How to Raise Down Payment Money When Buying Commercial Property. I'll see you at the next podcast.